Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your victory over death. That you have inaugurated a new reality into all of creation, and that we see and experience that. We love you. We fear you. We are joyful in your presence, and we pray, Lord, do give us eyes to see you this Easter season, especially this Easter season of 2020. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Amen. Well, Easter greetings again to you today. Uh, What a joyful day of resurrection this is for us as we celebrate uh, through technology, through the internet. Uh, I'm so glad that you've joined us today. So just some brief Easter meditations and reflections on these passages. I wonder if you noticed that the resurrection has an effect on just about every dimension of our being. And first, did you notice that the resurrection affects even creation? Now look at Psalm 114, if you will, in your bulletin. Psalm 114 is retelling the story of the Exodus, which is an actual event that really happened. It was miraculous. It was wonderful. It took 40 years for the people of Israel to leave, to get out of Egypt, run, go through the wilderness in a very circuitous route, and eventually end up in Israel. But as they did, notice what the psalmist says, that the sea parted before them, and that the Jordan was rolled back. Notice also that the mountains ran before them, and that the hills skipped, and that water sprung out of a rock, and a spring was was caused to come out of a flint stone. So, In this Exodus moment, which is a type of Christ's passion, death, and resurrection, creation is making the way for God's people to go to the place that he has prepared for them. Even creation experiences the effects of the resurrection. Notice also the trembling this dimension of both in our human sense of of what we feel and experience even instinctively, but also notice that the earth was trembling. Look there in Matthew 28 on page 3 of your bulletin. We see at verse 2 that, Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. So as the angel descends, earthquake, the ground shakes, The angel rolls the stone away. Now remember, 
In the beginning of Jesus' story, his origin story in the book of Genesis, there's an angel involved. We know that the angel Gabriel went to Mary to announce to her that she would bear and conceive a son. But in the book of Matthew, we see it from Joseph's perspective, from the line of David, because we remember that Jesus is son of God, he's the Messiah, and he's son of man, son of David, son of Joseph. So now the angels are involved again. Again, the resurrection affecting every dimension of our being, every dimension of our creation. So the earth is quaking as the angel comes down and he moves the stone. Notice that Jesus didn't, or the angel didn't have to move the stone for Jesus. Jesus is already gone. But notice too that the guards, those precious guards, I feel bad for them because they experienced quite a shock that day. Look at verse 4. And for fear of him, the guards trembled. Again, recalling that vision of the earth, the mountains trembling and the earth quaking for the people of Israel as they departed and came to the place that God prepared for them. Here, the guards tremble. And we think of sort of the fight, flight, or freeze syndrome. God's made us in such a way, our biological makeup, that when we see or in the presence of danger, we can fight. We're ready to fight. We're ready to fly, to get out of there, or sometimes we simply freeze. And that's what happened to the guards. They trembled in the presence of the angel. So the resurrection is causing effects in every dimension of our being and of every dimension of creation. Not only was there trembling and quaking, there was also fear. I find this very interesting. This is a season of life, as you heard me mention last week, that I've had fear. I've thought about fear. I've contemplated fear. I've asked sort of those deep and ultimate questions of life and been afraid of death. And what if this affects my family? Or what if this affects people at St. Bart's or really gets out of control in Dallas? How will we respond? And notice that in the presence of resurrection, there's fear, but it might be a different kind of fear. Look there in verse 4, we see that the guards already, we've noticed them trembling, quaking in their uh, proverbial boots, if you will. But also, verse 5 describes another sense of fear. The angel says to the women, Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary, Mary Lazarus' sister, the angel says to the women, do not be afraid. That's the very first thing that he says to them. Because this resurrection affects every dimension of creation, every dimension of our being, the angel comes to speak words of peace. Fear not. Do not be afraid. I know what, that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. So, the women, obviously, seeing the angel who was bright white, his face was like lightning, his clothes were like bright snow, they couldn't handle the brightness and the light that came from him, and so they were afraid. We see, too, in verse 8, that the women departed quickly from the tomb with fear. And what else? Great joy. So they have this fear and great joy. This resurrection has done something to them. They have experienced something. Now, I want you to, before we get to the next part of, of, 
when they encounter Jesus. I want you to remember who these two women are. Mary Magdalene, from a little town on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, Magdala, she had been delivered by Jesus. She had been brought into relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ as he preached to her and as he helped her. She is one who anointed Jesus' body for burial, broke this alabaster jar of fine perfume and ointment, put it on his feet, rubbed it with her hair, a very sensual, um, probably controversial thing to do. And in fact, we know Judas, the betrayer, made a big fuss about it because he said, could not this have been sold and all the proceeds have been given to the poor? But Jesus said, chill, Judas, she is preparing my body for burial. And the other Mary, the brother of Lazarus, she is one, remember, who would sit at Jesus' feet. And as her sister Martha was busy getting the Easter ham ready and making sure there are mimosas, because you got to have mimosas on Easter morning, as she was busy and worried and anxious about many things, the other Mary simply sat. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're concerned and worried about so many things. Your sister has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. Both of these Marys see something in Jesus. They have contemplated at a deeper level, perhaps, than maybe some of, other, some of other Jesus' companions, who Jesus really is. And so they're there the first thing in the morning. Maybe to go mourn over the tomb. Maybe to go tend to the body of our Lord Jesus. But they see and they know who he is. So they, when they hear the angel's announcement, they're not only afraid, they not only experience this very real human reaction to a total miracle that reorders the cosmos, but they also have great joy. So they depart with great joy and look. Look who they encounter. Verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. In this Easter season, we're going to have opportunity to greet one another, though from afar. Just last night, we were out throwing the Frisbee. The boys and I were, and the girls were playing with the puppy, and it was a beautiful night. And some friends from St. Bart's drove down our street and drove by, and we, we greeted them. Though we couldn't, you know, get close and hug, we still were so excited to greet one another. And when you greet people... This Easter season, these 50 days, whether it's through social distancing or by God's grace, that, that gets lifted and we're able to be a little more open with our greetings. No matter how it is, when you greet people, greet them in light of the resurrection. You see, Jesus was bringing them a message of life, even in his word, greetings. He was about to proclaim to them something good and beautiful. And what does he proclaim? They come up. They grab a hold of his feet. They worship him. See, these are two women who knew Jesus, who already were worshipers of Jesus. And isn't it beautiful that the Lord chose them to be the first witnesses of the resurrection? These two women named Mary, the same name as his mother. Isn't it beautiful and powerful that in the wisdom of God, these two souls who have contemplated the only begotten Son, and Lord Jesus Christ got to see him and hold his feet and worship him. 
And he says this, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. Do not be afraid. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and rightly so. God is a consuming fire, or as Mr. Beaver tells Lucy and the lion, the witch, in the wardrobe, Aslan is a good lion, but he's not safe. He's not tame. We fear God because of his immensity and his power, and yet he comes to us to speak to us greetings. Do not be afraid. And he allows us to come close to him. So we see this trembling that affects every part of our being and creation. We see that fear comes into the picture as a result of the resurrection. And it's a different kind of fear than we have for maybe the coronavirus. It's a different kind of fear. It's a fear of awe as we are invited to trust in God. But lastly, we see that there's an opportunity for for vision. For sight. And we heard the angel mention, go to Galilee, verse 7. Go to Galilee. You will see him there. See, I have told you. And we hear Jesus say the same thing in verse 10. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. By the way, where are they? <laughs> they can't Marco Polo in on this one. Go and tell my brothers. Go to Galilee. And there they will see me. This is a season that we want to see Jesus. This is a season where, like I mentioned last week on Palm Sunday, we need to have our expectations reconfigured so that we can identify the death of Christ as his coming to us, the same death that we've been baptized into. And we need to see that this fact, this settled fact, of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, of him trampling down death by death and bestowing life to all, especially to those in the tombs, we need to see that. So I love how he says, go back to Galilee. Do you remember Galilee? Do you remember how we've talked about here at St. Bart's that Galilee is a, it's a metaphor for East Dallas? It's out of the way. It's a little bit off to the side. It's not necessarily in the center of power or of influence or wealth or anything like that. But sometimes, in some cases, it's a place that's overlooked and forgotten. And sometimes it's people are overlooked and forgotten. And Jesus says, soon enough, there is going to be an outpouring in Jerusalem on Pentecost. But he says, I want you to go to Galilee because there you're going to see me. Because he has some things to say to his disciples. What does our Lord Jesus have to say to us in this season? And what does it mean for you and for me to go to Galilee? Chris and I were talking earlier. It's good to be alone and have some downtime and alone time. But for some of you, perhaps, it may be impossible. Not just to have time for self-care or to be with yourself or just to be with the Lord. But to have space to be with the Lord. I think Galilee is that space where we can go that's off to the side, that's hidden. You see the work that God had done in Mary and the other Mary, and we hear it echoed in the Blessed Virgin Mary, his mother, when she treasured these things in her heart. There was a hiddenness 
to this work of God. And Jesus is sending them to a still more hidden place to teach them. Now, the gospel is public. The gospel is for all. Christ's resurrection is for all to see. But what will the Lord, the resurrected Lord, do in us in that hidden place? How will he cultivate a proper and right fear and love of him? How will he bring about the sort of miraculous and wondrous trembling and shaking where things need to be reordered in our lives, where stones need to be rolled away, and where we need to see our sin in light of his grace and glory? How will the resurrected Lord appear to us in this season in Galilee? Let us pray. Oh God in heaven, we thank you for your grace and your love for us. We pray you would have mercy on us in this season and let your resurrection be evident to us. May we tremble. May we fear. And Lord, may we see you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.